0: Good morning, well as you can see I'm not Chris, Uh, I thought he was going to be gone this morning but he's here, I'm a slightly shorter, more dispensationally minded version, it's good to see you guys here, good to be here with you guys. Would you please turn in your Bibles to Psalm 100? Psalm 100. Would you please stand with me as we read these, these five verses together? Psalm 100, a psalm of thanksgiving. Make a joyful shout to the Lord, all you lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God, it is he who has made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful to him and bless his name. For the Lord is good, his mercy is everlasting, and his truth endures to all generations. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I just thank you, Lord God, that we can come together as believers in your son around your word, that we can trust your word, that we can rest upon your word, uh, that in turbulent times, your word is a strong foundation, a sure foundation. Lord, I ask that you would fill me with your spirit. I ask, Lord God, that you, Father, would speak through me, that you prepare ears and hearts, Lord, for what you want to say. Uh, May I decrease and may Christ be glorified this morning, Father. We want to thank you, God, for all that you do for us. You are a wonderful, wonderful Father. And we love you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Be seated. So this Thursday is a big day, Thanksgiving. Quick history lesson for those of you who don't know. Uh, who celebrated the first Thanksgiving officially that we, that we recognize in history? It's a quick question. Wrong. In 1610, actually, in Virginia, they held a Thanksgiving Day. Uh, in 1621, the pilgrims, as we know, celebrated that three-day Thanksgiving Day celebration. In 1777, Congress issued the first national proclamation for a day of Thanksgiving. The first Thanksgiving day observed in what is the United States was in 1789 on November 26th uh, under President Washington. In 1863, President Lincoln started the tradition of observing an annual Thanksgiving day, and it's been observed that way since 1863. Uh, It's altogether good and fitting that we as a nation, uh, that we in the United States offer thanks to the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, for how he's blessed this country. Troubles, Troubled as we are, it's good that we pause as a country to thank the one and true God for how he's blessed us, for how he shed his grace on us. And I would hope that all of us would take uh, Thanksgiving Day, that day to offer a special thanks to the triune God for all he has done for our nation in its past and even presently. And I might add, It might not be a bad idea for us to offer up prayers of repentance uh, for the sin that has so gripped our nation. And for our complacency as believers that has allowed this gross wickedness to flood our country. And for our participation as Christians in the sin and immorality that we see around us, our compromises. This message is not about you repenting. I'm done with that. Although you might want to repent when we're done, I don't know. It's not about the United States or the American people. Actually, my message today is simply about our good God and the reasons we have as believers, a few of them, for giving thanks to God every day. For I can assure you that to be thankful to God is not just a good idea, it's commanded of us. And the reasons to give thanks to God are all around us, everywhere turn if you will to keep your finger in psalm we're coming back here return 1st Thessalonians chapter 5 well known passage 1st Thessalonians chapter 5 starting in verse 16 if you grew up in church you probably memorize these three verses 1st Thessalonians 5 16-18 rejoice always pray without ceasing in everything give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Three commands, rejoice always, pray without ceasing, in everything give thanks. For this is God's will for us to be thankful. Who is the us there? It's those of us who have placed their faith in Jesus Christ as their savior. Those people who have trusted Christ for eternal life. For truthfully, the only people that are able to give thanks always to to pray or rejoice always and to pray without ceasing and to be thankful through every circumstance for those people who know they're standing with God it is only those people who know that God holds on to their lives who truly can give thanksgiving to God who know the God that knows them to be able to give thanks to God in the good times and the bad in sickness and in health poverty, abundance, in freedom, and in captivity. For it is only believers in Christ who can say and sing the words of this song. I sing because I'm happy. I sing because I'm free. For his eye is on the sparrow, and I know that he watches me. Yes, being thankful is important. And to be unthankful is not only sinful, but it's dangerous. Turn back to Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1, looking at verse 18. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness, because what may be known of God is manifest in them. For God has shown it to them. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and God has, so that they are without excuse. Uh, Jerry Benjamin, who was here not too long ago, he has a little booklet he wrote, it's called, What is the First Indication of Turning Away from God? And in that book, he talks about the first indication for Christians of turning away from God, of starting to drift from God, is to stop being thankful. To start murmuring and complaining about things. And truthfully, to murmur and complain is to sin against God. Because when we murmur and complain, what are we saying? We're saying, God, you can do better than this. Or God, I know better what I need than you do. It says in those verses that the wrath of God has been revealed from heaven. Against all ungodliness and unrighteousness. And we say, you bet. That makes sense. Against those who suppress truth and unrighteousness. And you say, You bet, God, get them. Get them. Against mankind who is is without excuse. And we all say, Amen, God, get those people. Be careful. Be careful, Christian. It's true these verses are describing unbelievers and their downward trajectory into terrible sin. But there is something we need to take notice of. Look at verse 21. They're without excuse because although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were thankful. But became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. And this verse says that although the mankind knew God, they did not glorify God, and notice they were not thankful to God. They stopped being thankful. Thankful. The result was they became futile in their minds and their hearts were darkened. Now I'm not saying that as believers, if we are unthankful that you are going to become an atheist, I'm not saying that. I am saying that becoming ungrateful and unthankful is a sure way, absolute sure way to start drifting from God. Hebrews is a great book and has a number of warning passages and one of the warning passages is to warn us to not drift and the idea is of a Of a a rowboat, just slowly drifting from the dock. That's how it happens so much for us as Christians. We we just start to drift. We just start to drift, and I can assure you that being unthankful is a quick recipe to start drifting. When we grumble and complain and we don't give thanks, we are way more like the world than we are like our Savior. And I am saying that refusing to give thanks in every situation puts us on a path to missing the blessings that God has for us. Refusing to be thankful, not for every situation, in, through every situation. I don't expect you to be thankful when you get that diagnosis. It's hard to be thankful for the pain and suffering we see around us. But we can be thankful through those things. And when we stop being thankful, we're going to miss out on tremendous blessing that God has for us. A blessing that can only come to the child of God who is truly thankful. Going back to Psalm 100, we don't know who wrote this psalm. We don't know. It's, the book of Psalms is divided up into five sections, five books within a book. And this is part of this, the fourth book of Psalms. And it's called a psalm of thanksgiving. And this psalm, interestingly enough, is the end of a subset of psalms, a grouping of psalms, Psalm 94 through 100. And the theme of those psalms, those seven psalms, is the reign of Jesus Christ, the Messiah, on earth during the millennial kingdom. Let me demonstrate. In Psalm 94 1, the verse says this O Lord God, to whom vengeance belongs, O God, to whom vengeance belongs, shine forth. Psalms 94 calls on God to avenge the righteous whom the wicked have oppressed. It reveals faith in the justice of God in justice that will reveal when Jesus Christ returns and set up sets up his kingdom on earth. It's the cry of tribulation, saints. God, we want justice. Psalm 95 one says, Oh, come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation. Psalm 95 extols God as king, and it's, and it's a call specifically for Israelites to worship him and to not disbelieve him, to not do what their ancestors did in the wilderness when they wouldn't go into the promised land, to believe God. It's a call for Israelites in the millennial kingdom to walk in obedience and not to disobey their king lord jesus christ psalm 96 1 says oh sing to the lord a new song sing to the lord all the earth psalms 96 is a call for the rest of the earth not just the israelites but for the rest of the earth to worship the lord along with those believing israelites going into the millennial kingdom only believing gentiles will enter that thousand year reign of christ there will still be people alive at the end of the seven-year tribulation and only believers will enter into that kingdom and it's a call, Psalm 96 is a call for uh, those believers, those Gentiles, that enter into this kingdom to continue on in obedience to the king, to Jesus. Psalms 97 one says, the Lord reigns, let the earth rejoice, let the multitude of isles, little islands, be glad. And Psalms 97 continues the theme of Psalm 96, but it expands it. To include all the islands of the earth. The idea being is not just the Israelite people, not just the Gentile people, but all of the earth, all of the earth, even to the smallest island, should rejoice that the Lord reigns. This psalm deals with the fact that at that time, Jesus will reign on earth. Psalm 98.1 says, oh, sing to the Lord a new song. For he has done marvelous things. His right hand and his holy arm have gained him the victory. Psalm 98 is a call for everyone and everything to shout joyfully for the deliverance that has come. It is a call for the world to proclaim its great joy because the Lord has come. This psalm is the theme that inspired Isaac Watts to to write the song Joy to the World. And we sing at Christmas, which has nothing to do with Christmas. It has to do with the return of Christ to rule the earth. But it's okay to sing it at Christmas too. Psalm 99, 1, the Lord reigns. Let the peoples tremble. He dwells between the cherubim. Let the earth be moved. Psalms 99 deals with the characteristics of the ruling king, of the king of kings and the Lord of lords. It has these statements. He is great. He is high above everyone and everything, and he is holy. Then it goes on and says, he loves justice, he loves equity, and it repeats a second time, he is holy. And then it goes on, he answers prayers, he is the king who forgives, and he is holy. Do you get the idea that the writer of this psalm is trying to tell us something? He is holy, holy, holy. You have to understand The great tribulation and what has taken place to understand the heart behind these seven psalms. By the time of the second coming of Christ, two-thirds of all Jews will be dead. Over half of the earth's population will have been killed. The remaining third of all Jews alive will be believers in Jesus Christ. They have lived through the worst of the tribulation, the worst of human history, and now they're going to enter into the thousand year reign of Christ, the millennial kingdom. These are the Psalms in response to that idea. We've suffered a lot, but now finally God justice is gonna be done. It's going to, things are gonna be equitable because you're holy. You answer prayers. You're a king who forgives. You're good, you're gracious, and things are going to be right. And you and I as believers in Christ will return with Christ to rule and reign with him. It's going to be a wonderful time. And it will not be a time where we have to worry about bad government, pollution, lions will lie down with lambs, children will play with snakes, poisonous snakes, things will return to the way it should be. A wonderful time of blessing. These psalms are offered to God because of uh, his deliverance and his faithfulness. There are psalms, all seven of them are psalms of thanksgiving because God has been faithful. They're thanksgiving psalms because they're recognizing God's goodness, his mercy, his truthfulness. And Psalm 100, the psalm we're going to go through this morning, is the grand finale of these seven psalms. It, is sung, it was sung by Jews as they would offer up offerings, thank offerings to God. This was a song they would sing when they would bring these thank offerings to God. It will undoubtedly be sung during the Millennial Kingdom. And it is a great psalm for us to meditate upon uh, this Sunday before Thanksgiving. Let's look at the first two verses. Make a joyful shout to the Lord, all you lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. All of us should shout praises joyfully to the Lord, is what it says. And we should serve the Lord gladly. We should sing out of joy and honor to our God. When we come into the presence of God, joy should be present. It should be. The missionary George Bowen said this, I'm just going to quote him. Can you bear to be waited upon by a servant who goes moping and ejected to his every task? You would rather have no servant at all than one who is evidently than one who evidently finds your service cheerless and irksome. And I, I, we don't really have servants. Some of you might. I don't have any servants. But but when I go to like a restaurant, it's a real bummer if the if the, the waiter or the waitress is having a bad day and they're really grumpy and irritable and you feel like you've interrupted them. And it's like, man, I just assume not have you wait on me. I'll, I'll wait on myself. And that's what he's talking about. That. The same thing for God. God does not want us to come to worship him with long faces. Now don't misunderstand something. There are times and they're appropriate when we come to God with long faces. I'm not saying don't come to God with long faces. We have problems at work or with our wives or husbands. We or a loved one is dealing with a medical crisis. Uh, A friend or a family member dies unexpectedly we are, we've given in the temptation and sinned and, and we come to the Lord and, and we're grieved because of our sin and we, we have long faces. We come before the Lord at those times and, and other times burdened with cares and concerns with long faces and that's fine and good. Don't, don't go to God and put on an act like everything's okay. He's not like when we come to church and I ask, how you doing, Marcus? Fine, good. I'm good. That's my response. I'm good. We do that with each other. Don't do that with God. He knows. He knows if you're hurting. You're not going to fool him by saying, oh, I'm good. I'm good. I'm fine. I'm happy. If, If you're sad, go to him sad. Go to the Lord with a long face and tell him all about it. Tell him all about it. He wants that. But I want to tell you that don't You you should never mistake that for going in worship. That's going to God and casting your cares upon him. When you're sad and you're doing it, that's, that's good. You should be. But worship involves praise. No praise, no worship. Worship involves praise. Does that mean we can't worship and praise in times of long faces? No, not at all. Of course not. But you will have to make a decision... To praise God through those tough times, you're going to have to make a decision. I'm going to trust God. It's this walk of faith. It is the walk of faith, and it is not an easy walk. But the only way you can truly come into God's presence to worship is to come into God's presence with praise. And to come into God's presence with joy. And that is to decide to come in by faith. Despite of how you feel. Don't mistake feelings and how you feel for your ability to worship God and praise. You may be sad, but choose to worship God and praise. It's not a feeling thing. When you offer praise to God during those tough times You're worshipping him But understand Worshipping God involves you coming to a point Where you're offering praise to him God This, whatever it is I hate it And I'm scared And I don't feel joyful But God, by faith I'm going to praise you For what you are going to do I can't help but think of Job. The Lord has given. The Lord has taken. Blessed be the name of the Lord. I don't know if I could have done that. He just lost 10 children. 10. 10. and his cattle and his sheep and a whole bunch of servants and there is wailing because it's not just him the servants had families the Lord has given the Lord has taken away blessed be the name of the Lord he, I guarantee you he did not he wasn't jumping around like a crazy person praise God, praise Jesus But by faith, he said those words. He may not even have felt those words. So I hope I'm making it clear to you. You cannot come to God in worship without praise to him. Okay? You can come to God feeling down, but choose to praise him and enter into worship. Does everybody clear on this? Okay, I hope so. Because I'm not saying don't, I want you, please go to God when you're hurting. Pour your heart out to him. And I mean pour it out to him. He already knows what's in your heart. But then come back to him and say, but God, I'm going to praise you. By faith in you and by your power, I'm going to enter into worshiping you because you are good. Easy to do. Sometimes when the sun is shining and my belly is full and I've had a good night's rest, wonderful. Praise the Lord. Change those circumstances slightly. The cable's out. There's no coffee in the pantry. And my wife is mad at me again. And God says, would you come and praise me and worship me? Make a joyful shout to the Lord, all you lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. We need to make a joyful noise or a shout to the Lord. That includes everyone, all of us. I don't know about you, but that makes me uncomfortable. We have a lady, she's not here today, so I can talk about her, because sure you'll never hear this. Oh. Let's be honest. She likes to shout joyfully. And let's be honest, some of us go, stop. And she should go on doing it. It's not about me, is it? (sighs) I'm uncomfortable with those kinds of things. Except I find it really interesting that if I go to a rodeo and my friend actually catches two heels on a steer, which is real rare, I can shout joyfully and just go, wow, good job, and just whoop it up. Or if I see a real good catch in a football game or a home run, I mean, I can scream with the best of them. And I imagine you can too. Because, you know, it's, it's what we do. And yet we come to church and somehow we're told to tamper it down. Or we just tamper it down. Now there are, you know, we're, we are a Baptist, conservative Baptist church. I think we are, maybe not. Are we a conservative Baptist church? We are a Baptist yeah. church nominally, Hallelujah. Yeah. But I see some closet little charismatics here. I mean, I, you know what? Amen. So let's be honest. We, don't, we, we, we struggle with this idea of coming into the Lord's presence and making a noise. We don't want our service to be out. They should be done in order. Really, I'm not saying they should be done out of order. But we should be willing to maybe shout for joy once in a while. Amen. Amen. Verse 1 calls, and I found this interesting, all you lands. You have to understand, again, like I said, I'm, I'm a smaller, shorter version of Chris, but a lot more dispensationally minded. And If you don't know what that means, you're lucky. Um, <laughs> um, but this is specifically going to happen during the millennial reign of Christ, when all the lands will rejoice. They will be coming to an earthly Jerusalem to bring in Offerings. And we may even sing joy to the world. I don't know. It wouldn't surprise me. But think about this. Have you ever considered the fact, the truth, that God does not need our worship or our service? He has angels by the bazillions that literally, when he says, jump, they just jump. And they worship and praise him continually continually. He wants your worship and your service. The God who is eternal and from everlasting to everlasting wants his creatures, these mud bodies he's put together and breathed life into and adopted to worship him. You know, do you think God knows how imperfect we are? Yeah, yeah. And how imperfect our worship is, yeah. And he says, do it anyways. It'll all get straightened up on the way up. And it does us as Christians, as believers, so much good when we enter into worship. God wants us to serve him with gladness and to come before him with singing. He delights when we do you say i don't have a good singing voice it's not about that it's not about the quality of your voice it's about the heart behind it god has blessed each of us he's blessed each of us in this room i if you were honest and started listening and i'm not saying there aren't some of you here with some deep problems But he has blessed us beyond measure. We have reason upon reason upon reason to be thankful and to praise God. And and those things, those thanksgivings of praise should just flow from us. You have your orders in these two verses. Shout joyfully to the Lord. Once in a while, just give God a shout. Yeehaw. Serve God Not grudgingly Listen to me You know you've heard Chris If you can't give your offering If you want to hang on Please just keep it And if you can't come to serve Happily stay away Why do you think I never come to the church work days No I'm kidding (laughs) The last one I was out of town Or I would have No but I mean if if you can't if you can't, then don't come. You're not good. You're not getting. When you come to God, if you come to serve Him with with complaining and grump, you're not getting any earthly or any eternal reward for it. You're just you're just doing it. We're to sing when it's when in His presence. There's a song we used to sing. There's there's within my heart a melody. Jesus whispers sweet and low. I don't know if any of you know that song, but man. I love that song these these when you're by yourself if you don't have a good voice you don't want to sing loud sing to him alone sing to him alone verse 3 know if you mark your Bible that's a good word to underline know that the Lord he is God it is he who has made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. This verse, verse 3, gives us every reason why we should shout joyfully, serve gladly, sing willingly. Our God, his name is Yahweh. And he is God. He is in control. Do you know that this morning? I hope you do. I pray you do. Turn up to the book of Acts chapter 4, please. Acts chapter 4, starting in verse 18. Acts 4, starting in verse 18. So they called them and commanded them not to speak at all, nor teach in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered and said to them, Whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you more than to God you judge. For we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. So when they had further threatened them, they let them go, finding no way of punishing them because of the people, since they all glorified God for what had been done. The background to this is uh, Peter and John had come into, were coming into the temple and there was this lame guy and he's asking for money. He's begging for money. And Peter and, and John evidently are broke and Peter says, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, Nazareth, rise up and walk. And that created quite a stir. And it led to this preaching session in the temple. And then from that, the arrest of Peter and John by these religious leaders. And that's the background to the, verse 18. They didn't know what to do with them. They were afraid of the people that they punished them. So they're like, we don't know what to do. Let's, you know what, I know, we'll, we'll just threaten them you stop talking about Jesus. You stop it or you're going to get punished. And Peter and John's response was that they had to keep speaking about Jesus. They had to they said, you know what, you're intelligent, men. You you tell us should we obey you or God. So they threatened them again. And this, by the way, is the start. This is the beginning of persecution of the church. This is the beginning. This is the point. They've had couple chapters three chapters they've just been doing their thing and now the religious leaders are saying this is this jesus thing is not dying and we got to do something about it but look at verse 23 and being let go they went to their own companions and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them and when they this is the other christians when they heard that they raised their voice to god with one accord and said lord You are God who made heaven and earth and the sea and all that is in them. Peter and John go back to the Christians and they say, Hey, you know, we just got arrested uh, and they really threatened us. They're like, You guys either shut up about Jesus or there's going to be some serious consequences. And their response was amazing. It wasn't fear, it wasn't worry, it wasn't intimidation, it wasn't sorrow. No, their response was praise. And what did they praise? What what was the first? Lord, you are God. Now, do you understand what it means to be able to say that our God is God? Our God, the God of the Bible, not Allah, not Confucius, not Buddha, not Muhammad, not a tree, not an alligator. Not the sun, not the moon. Our God. The implications that you and I belong to the true and the only living God. The true and only living God. Are almost too great for us to grasp. I've, you are surrounded every day by people who do not know this God. Do you realize how blessed you are that somebody told you about Jesus? I'm a, I, I meet him all the time. You meet him all the time. They are without God. They are without hope. They don't know God. They may know the name, they don't know him. Do you know what it's like to know the one true living God and to be able to say, He is for me, not against me? That you are his children adopted the, word, the the words of being in the new testament were called adopted you have to understand the roman culture in which those words were written if i was a roman and i had a son or a daughter by natural birth i could disown them I could leave them out of my will, I could say, you are no longer my son, you are no longer my daughter. But do you know that under Roman law, if I had adopted a son or a daughter, that at no time could I ever disown that child? Do you see why saying God has adopted you is a big deal? You are adopted and what's more, you're a joint heir with Christ. No wonder these first century Christians could say, Praise God. God, you are God. There's so much in that statement. There's there's so much in just a simple statement. Know ye that the Lord, he is God. He is God. The only God. Not one of many. The only one. And he holds you in his hand. No wonder those people back in those days turned the world upside down for Christ. Verse 3 again, know that the Lord, he is God. Know this, it is he who has made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. The truth is that most people don't really know that the Lord is God. And the sad truth is that sometimes I act like I don't know it when I disbelieve him. When we sin, we say, God, I just, you're good and all that, but I just can't trust you. If I don't, if I don't, if I don't compromise in this situation, well, something, something bad, I, I'm scared. I just don't think, he says, no, don't you understand? I am God. Know me as God. Further, it says there, you you are not a self-made man or a self-made woman. It is God who created you. You are a creature. I say this to God practically every morning in prayer. I say to the Lord, God, you created me. I am a creature made by you. It It puts me in my place. I am nothing without God. Any value I have is because God has placed value on me. We are mud, dirt, that he formed and breathed into the breath of life. But because of God, we have value. Every life has value because of God. It's God who has given us all we have, says we are his people. How about a shout for that alone? We are his people. We're the sheep of his pasture. That means, by the way, when you're his sheep, he's responsible for you. And let's get this cleared up. How did you become his sheep? By faith alone in Jesus Christ alone. If you're here today and you've never trusted in Jesus Christ, you've never believed in him, now's the time. Because if you're not in Christ by faith, you're not one of his sheep. And you're not one of his people. And he's not your God. In fact, right now, you guys are enemies. On opposite sides of the fence, if you will. We are his sheep. And what's truly amazing is we have a shepherd who died for his sheep. That's amazing to me. Please know these things today. Please know that God is God. And if you've placed your trust in Christ, he is your God and you are his person. Verse four, enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful to him and bless his name. You have to understand that this is of course a Jewish psalm of the Old Testament and it was specifically it's specifically for Old Testament Jewish believers it is but of course this psalm can be applied to us as well but with some amazing differences Old Testament Jewish believers could only enter into certain places in the temple and I believe only men could enter into certain places in the temple, and women had to stay out, and Gentiles weren't even allowed anywhere near it. But if say you're a, let's say you're a Jewish shepherd from the tribe of Ephraim. You could go only so far into the temple area, and it is to certain courts. And if you were his wife, you couldn't even go into those courts. That's as far as you could go. And only the priest could actually go into the holy place, and only the high priest could go into the holy of holies And that once a year. But even with those restrictions, God's word says to them, when you enter the gates of Jerusalem, enter it with thanksgiving in your hearts. And when you come into the courts of the temple, come into the courts with praise on your lips. Now, that was the command to them. And it's the command to us. But I want you to think for a moment and I want you to be turning to Hebrews chapter 10 while we're thinking about this, of the great privilege that you and I have as members of the body of Christ and how this command to come into his courts with thanksgiving into his, in, or into his gates with thanksgiving into his courts with praise, it applies to us a billion times more. Look at Hebrews 10 starting in verse 19. Therefore, brethren, and I don't, have, I don't have time to go into what the therefore is therefore, but there's a lot of stuff that he's been saying about our ability because our sins are forgiven and all of that. Therefore, brethren, having boldness, boldness, to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which he consecrated for us through the veil that is his flesh, and having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart, in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Because of Christ and our position of being in him, we have access to the very holiest of holiest, into the very holiest place in the temple in heaven, into God's presence. We have access into the very presence of of God. And I might make a suggestion to us that when we enter the most holy gates of that heavenly temple in prayer, we might want to think about coming there with thanksgiving in our hearts. And when we enter into the holiest of holies, when we come into the presence of God with great confidence, not because of who we are, but because of who Christ is, we should do so with praise on our lips. For the Lord is God. He made us. He bought us. He adopted us. We are his people. We are his sheep. And we have access into his presence that no Old Testament saint, whether they were a lowly shepherd or the high priest, ever had. Look at verse 22 for one second. This is into my notes. But I'm going to throw this in for free. You can draw near, he says, with a true heart and full assurance of faith. Having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience—what is that saying? Listen to me. It's saying, "I don't feel clean," and it's saying it doesn't matter. I don't feel right. And this verse is saying it doesn't matter. You can have your conscience sprinkled clean. You have been forgiven of every sin that you have ever committed, will ever commit. You confess it. Fellowship is restored. Come into His presence. I don't feel forgiven. It does. I don't care how you feel. God's word. Who you know? I had this battle with God many years ago. Oh, I believe you'll forgive this person. I wholeheartedly believe you have forgiven this person, but not me. And God pretty much said, "Who do you think you are? Who do you think you are to doubt me?" He was right. You lay hold of forgiveness by faith. You don't go on your feelings. God's word says, God's word says. You can have your heart sprinkled from a bad conscience. The the enemy comes along and he just loves to whisper, you have blown it. You have done this now 1,142 times. And even Jesus said you only forgive 70 times 7, 490 times. You're well over that. I'm being facetious. The point is the enemy wants to rob you of that joy. Listen to me. Your heavenly father, the great picture of our heavenly father is found in the story of the prodigal son, which really should be called the story of what a great dad he had, who's a picture of our father, who runs to you When you come back to him, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it, prone to leave the God I love. Hmm. He knows, and he still says, You're my sheep, and I'm your father. Don't listen to the lie of the enemy. You come to me, he says, Come to me with a clean conscience. You're forgiven. You're forgiven. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful to him and bless his name. Let's bring this down to us in this room this morning. We all come to Sunday services with different issues and problems. Different blessings and different joys. We're, there's, I don't know, 60 of us here. I I can't count, but there's a few of us here. You know, each one of us has an issue we're working on, dealing with. Each one of us has a blessing. Some of us are really happy. Some of us are really sad. Some of us are somewhere in between. But no matter where you're at this given Sunday, come into this service, into the presence of God, with thanksgiving and praise. And you say, I don't feel it, Flint. I don't feel like it. Don't you know what I'm going through? No, probably not. Probably not. Man, there's so much hurt. Last week, Um. we were facing a situation at work that was dangerous, dangerous. And uh, I was pretty sure we were gonna have to do some bad things, shoot some, it was bad. And uh, I took it to the prayer chain And this guy that the night before had been shooting, they took him into custody without any incident before he got down here where he said he was coming. Yeah. Now, you can say that's a coincidence. No, this guy was not going to be taken alive. He had approved it by escaping from eight officers in another city and and he was coming here. He'd been here the week before. And we, I just knew, I knew it was gonna happen. I'm thinking, can I retire before this guy gets here? (laughs) And God's people prayed. And God, by his grace answered. You don't know what I've been through and I don't know what you've been through. And you may not feel like it, but can I suggest that you give thanks and praise to God anyways, our feelings come and go they just do they're dependent upon is the coffee the right strength today, I mean it's just it's crazy but it's true, but no matter how you feel God deserves these things from us, that's the point of this whole psalm, it doesn't matter how you and I feel at the moment, the point is he is God and he deserves this So we're told to be thankful to God and to bless His name, and then we get to three amazing reasons to give thanks and to bless His name, in the good times and the bad times when we're feeling happy or sad. And believe it or not, this was just going to be the opening, and I was going to do a whole sermon on verse five. And obviously, that's not happening. So don't worry. But let's let's go to verse five. (sighs) I'm not kidding when I said that. I was like, I'm not going to. It's obviously, Lord, you got something different here. But verse 5 says, here's the reasons to be thankful to him and to bless his name. For the Lord is good. One. Two, his mercy is everlasting. Three, his truth endures to all generations. Like I said, I don't know where you're at. You don't know where I'm at. And I don't know what tomorrow holds. I don't need those. I'm not crying. No, I'm not. No, I'm good. I'm good. No, thank you, thank you. No, that was nice. I appreciate that. I do need them, but no, don't come back up. Um, I don't know what tomorrow holds for you or for me. There used to be a sports show on. No, thank you, really. There used to be a sports show on. Remember the, I think it was the wide world of sports. You may experience the thrill of victory or the agony of defeat. I don't know. I thought that was pretty cute. Then I realized you're old and there's not going to be a lot of people that don't know what that means. But anyways... (laughs) <laughs> we don't know I don't know what tomorrow holds I don't know if things are going to work out The way you hope they work out That's right But what are the three things We know for sure We know number one the Lord is good It says the Lord is good There is so much in that statement But I'll boil it down to this Because he's good he only does good things Two His mercy is everlasting. You will never exhaust his mercy for you because his mercy is connected to his love. But God being rich in mercy because of his great love for you. You'll never exhaust his mercy for you. Never. The only thing that stands between you and fellowship with God right now if you're out of fellowship is just saying, God, I'm sorry. Forgive me. Three, his truth endures forever. Not one word spoken of by our God, not one word, not one word will ever be outdated, antiquated, or proved false. And I'll tell you what, in this day and age in which we live, that is something to shout about. Hallelujah, God's word endures. Heaven and earth will pass away. Morals come and go. I'm reading read a book that was written in 1970, and it's talking about the moral decline. And I'm thinking, boy, oh, boy, oh, boy. In 1970, it'll seem like I was only five, but there were good times compared to some of the things we go through now. But you know what? I don't care. God's word is true, and it never goes out of style, and it's always right. So in conclusion, this Thanksgiving when you've got family and friends and food and football, and I don't have to tell you guys this, remember all that God has done for you. And then every day, give him thanks with great joy. For he is good. His mercy is everlasting. His truth endures forever. And one other thing, he loves you so much. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word, for this time, and for these people. I pray, God, that we would truly be thankful for all that you've done and all that you're going to do. That we would trust you, Father, in the good times and the bad, and by faith, choose to praise you. In Jesus' name, amen.